for, for me, I, I think that one of the greatest advantage we have here is that we have not left the world leaders alone to themselves. Sure. <laughs> we, we have all come to support them, to push them, to spur them up, to get them to that point of, you know, taking those critical decisions yeah. and, and stepping forward beyond those decisions or actions. Yeah. Welcome to the Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe that since we are truly image bearers of God, we should act like it, living out love for one another in actions and in truth. Since we are image bearers of God, we won't stand by while our neighbours are trapped in poverty and we won't stay idle as creation is left untended and inequality is left to fester. In this podcast, we're going to go on a journey together of discovering a theology of creation care. We'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with industry leaders, theologians and practitioners and hearing from some of our incredible partners who are working on the ground. Join us this season as we learn about creation care and what we can do in our own lives to play part in a much bigger restorative story. Well, hi guys and welcome to the newest episode of the Renew Our World podcast. Uh, you probably can notice that the background of this podcast, the background noise, uh, is slightly different to what we normally have. Usually this podcast is being recorded in my spare bedroom and I record it with various people on, on Zoom and we're really looking forward to be able to bring you this episode which is coming live from COP26 in, in Glasgow. But perhaps an even more exciting fact is I finally get to be face to face with some of my wonderful Renewal World colleagues um, who I've been chatting to on screens for the last number of years and uh, I've got two guests here, here with me today who have um, chatted to us on the podcast over the last couple of years. So we've got um, Promise from Nigeria. Welcome Promise. Thanks Dave, good to be here. Thank you. And then we've got uh, Kuki from India. Um, and Kuki, you've been, you did an episode for us a couple of months ago chatting about um, justice and a follow-on from the Justice Conference. So yeah, it's great to be able to have you for this episode too. Yeah, great to be here and good to see everyone face to face finally. <laughs> Hopefully our voices don't sound too muffled to you on this episode because we're, we're currently huddled around a table sitting under um, a very nice looking uh, but probably very expensive globe <laughs> that is currently rotating over our heads and uh, as we're at COP we're trying to be as COVID safe as possible so we're all wearing our face masks so maybe the sound is a, is a little muffled uh, with you on this episode but please please bear with us. Um, but yeah guys um, what have you what have you made of COP so far? What what have been your your first sort of initial thoughts when you got here? And you've done a couple of days now in, in at COP and in the blue zone, which is where a lot of the negotiating happens and um, various important people meet to to negotiate some of these agreements. Um, yeah, Cookie, maybe I'll start with you. What have what have been your your thoughts so far? Yeah, I think um, this is an important COP, and it's great to be here. It's my fourth COP, so. Um, and it's different, mainly because, firstly, because it's in COVID times. And so there aren't many side events or meetings that you can attend or you can be physically present at. So that's a bit odd because in previous COPs you could just, you know, go in and you know, be a part of any side event or talks that were going on. Uh, we're not even um, invited to or allowed into the plenaries, uh, so which is, again, a bit different from other cops so it feels a bit detached in that way that we're not engaging as much or seeing 
uh, the political leaders are a little bit more inaccessible than before, uh, than previous years. So that's that's quite different. Um, but it's exciting because this is a COP where decisions are being made for action. So it's a time. It's not a COP where you know people just come together and talk. But it's a COP where actual decisions are being made, pledges are being made, and targets are being set, which hopefully will be ones uh, that are. Um, uh, action, uh, you know, they are they are worked upon and they're delivered and not just uh, empty words. Yeah. Promise, promise. What do you think? What has been? Uh, yeah. What have you thought of COP so far? Well, for me, this this <laughs> this is my first time here, <laughs> and um, I, I've heard a lot about COP over the years. I've also done you know a little research about what's been happening over the years, but. Um, being here um, in person, um, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's, it's good to see um, the effort that different nations are making to, to come together and to take very strong and firm decisions about the issues around climate change. Um, for me, so far, I've seen, I've seen that um, there, there's a lot of deliberate effort by world leaders um, to, to move beyond the promises and to actually take action. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that for me is the excitement of um, the civil society organizations and activists and individuals who are really, really passionate about seeing something different, who are mm -hmm. all here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to play that supportive role and to be that push, you know, for the world leaders to see that there's, there's, there's really a need for those actions to begin immediately and not and, and not wait any longer. So for me, that that's that's really really encouraging to see. Um, I've also noticed that um, uh, we have great indigenous people um, who are who are showing forth um, the the impact of climate change in their own regions. And I mean, it's good to see um, firsthand the kind of um, um, impact this is having on on people globally. So for me, I, I'm seeing efforts, I'm seeing um, people, I'm seeing organizations, I'm seeing even the world leaders um, making sure they're not, they're not behind. I know they're they, making sure that they're saying um, things that um, will help people to, uh, you know, to stand up for. I mean, for, for me, I, I think that one of the greatest advantage we have here is that we have not left the world leaders alone to themselves. <laughs> sure, we, yeah. we have all come to support them, to push them, to spur them up, to get them to that point of, you know, taking those critical decisions yeah. and, and stepping forward beyond those decisions or actions. Yeah. I was going to ask you what has been your highlight so far, but would you say, is that is that your biggest highlight so far? Yeah, so far, yes. Um, I, I would say that, I mean, there are beautiful commitments we've heard. Um, um, the whole end to deforestation, you know, that, that's a beautiful commitment by 2030, by almost a hundred, I think about a hundred uh, countries of the world. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We need to begin to talk about how, you know, yeah, um, yeah. for each of those countries. Of course, we've, we've also been talking about climate um, um, financing and um, to yesterday was a lot more around that. Mm -hmm. um, um, for me, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll we're gonna, get there. We're, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come to the the financing stuff in a minute yeah. um, because it was sort of one of the one of the bigger announcements I think at this cup. Um, maybe Cookie, what, what would you say is your one highlight so far? Like your main the main thing that you think is is the most important thing so far? 
There have been so many things you've done here, but I think in the blue zone, I think um, the highlights would be, um, you know, being able to interact with uh, other civil society organizations, being able to interact with uh, other people, other like-minded people and come together on a common platform. We're all such different organizations, uh, such different motivations, but we are here for a common purpose. And so that's kind of like, yeah, it, it's, it's not something that we're doing alone. And even outside of this blue zone that we call within this restricted area, you know, there's a lot of uh, camaraderie, solidarity, uh, and stuff happening with churches around Glasgow, with young people coming together, and with so many others. So that's, that's, that's quite exciting. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Just, just to add to that, I think one of the really very exciting things that we can see here is, um, is the fact that we have more young people here. We have a huge, huge demography of young people here. And that shows the need for, for immediate action because our lives are at stake here. Um, the future is really, really blurry with all that is going on. So the number of young people here actually speaks to the urgency of the issue on ground. Yeah, yeah that's great. And we're here as a sort of a faith-based organization. And I wondered, what are your thoughts on, you know, what, what space do you think Christians should have at these talks or, or do have? Um, yeah, Thomas, what, what, do you, what do you think? Um, I, I believe very strongly that um, we, we cannot separate uh, faith from climate action. Um, in fact, it's interesting to know that it's one of our great mandates to take care of this earth while we are here. While we are here. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we do not add our voices to what is going on now, it's just, um, it's just showing that we do not care mm -hmm. about the beautiful world that God has created. Uh, and so for me, I think one of the best ways to show forth the love of God and to show forth the, the beauty um, of this creation itself is to be able to stand with the people who are suffering the most, who, are, um, who have seen the, 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 the cruel impact of, of climate change. And that's showing for the love of God, right? Um, that's loving your neighbors, isn't it? Uh, so for me, I think faith plays an important role and we must, we must as Christians rise up to the occasion. I mean, the voices of Christians all over the world is, is really, really low when it comes to this issue. It's really low. Yet the impact of climate change hits us really, really hard. And um, we, we have the responsibility, we have the responsibility to ensure that um, that we carry ourselves, carry our other Christian brethren along and, and get them to the point where they are able to see that um, the love and the show of love for our neighbors is is, is critical in, in this matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kuki, um, what do you think? What, what, what place do you think Christians have at, at these conferences? And even, you know, we've been at some interfaith events in the last couple of days and yeah, any, any thoughts on, on those events and um, yeah, Christians at that club? Yeah, I think it's so important for us as Christians to be at the forefront of everything. We seem to be, you know, 20 steps behind or even more <laughs> than other people who have no faith or who are, who are of other faith. You know, I, I sometimes it makes me sad that, you know, uh, lots of people who have no faith, who don't even believe that God created everything, 
are at the forefront of this movement and I think Christians have such an important role that if we are people who believe in scripture it is so evident that God is the creator of everything of the whole universe and therefore we should be at the forefront of these movements praying about it, talking about it and asking God for forgiveness for what we have and have not done and be, you know, be the people who are out there and I think you know um, sometimes we place uh, a lot of hope in political leaders but we should place our hope in God who is who is sovereign over all these things and therefore with prayer with with speaking up uh, with with all these events we can we can make a difference you know we can shake uh, the highest corridor of power and that's God so that the corridors of power on earth may be shaken and they will make the right decisions and yes, the interfaith movements have been really um, fascinating, have been good, very encouraging as well, uh, that people of other faiths um, have gathered together, are here present in this very building, you know, um, asking for change, asking for leaders to make good decisions. And so that's exciting. And I think um, as Christians, we have more of a responsibility. And I hope that uh, uh, through listening to these podcasts or, listen, uh, or seeing different posts, different actions that are being done or having prayed with us uh, through this COP, you know, before and during, uh, that we will be more engaged in this kind of thing, not only in our personal lives, but um, in other spaces as well. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Cookie. Just thinking a bit to earlier today, the, the three of us um, went to, uh, I guess, a photo stunt, you could call it, um, in, the, in the middle of COP through a very sort of uh, a concourse where various people were, were walking through and we unf un unfurled a, a banner um, just talking about the funding of, of fossil fuels and and, uh, and the funding for, I guess, dirty energy, if you, if you want to call it that, you know, coal, oil and, and gas. And um, I guess what's, what's been great to see is that a couple of hours after we did that photo stunt, um, about 25 countries and institutions put out a statement committing to the ending of and public, fin public finance anyway, in terms of government government funding um, for coal, oil and gas. Um, and they're going to shift some of that money that they have been spending into clean energy. Um, yeah, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that, Kuki? Do you, have you, I think you've had a chance to read some of the statements and um, yeah, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, my, my gut reaction would be that's very welcome. That's wonderful. That's amazing that we have made those decisions. Um, but this is just the beginning because we need uh, to go and it's a long way away and it's um you know there's a lot of money in this business there's a lot of money in this kind of uh, thing so i think we 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 welcome the decisions that have been taken but i would say a lot more needs to be done uh, so that we have clean energy for all and not just for public finances but for private investments and you know things like that um it's a good beginning but it is just a beginning cheers Kiki. and and Promise. What were your What were your thoughts on, on that statement today? Did you get a chance to, to have a read? Yeah, I, I mean, for for a start, <laughs> yeah, it's like like Cookie said, it's a it's a beautiful idea. Um, but if you look at how much more we need to do, uh, this is really little. Um, this is really really little. Um, we need to commit a lot more. We need the bigger nations, the the real emitters, <laughs> uh, to really commit more to. Um, to 
cutting off investments and, and public financing for, for fossil fuel. We need to get them to really, really, really begin to invest more in renewable energy. And beyond that, for me, not just for their countries, but to also look at developing countries. How, how, do, you, how do you help the developing countries to actually do a lot more in, in investing in renewables. Um, I think it's a very critical thing. So it's it's a beautiful idea, it's, it's good commitment, but it's just not good enough for what we are looking at. It's, it's really little. It's yeah, really little. yeah, yeah. I guess that takes me to, you know, as one of my last questions for you guys. You know, in the first two days, we had a lot of the political leaders were here and they gave various speeches as, that, as they sort of kicked off the conference. And, on their agenda was to talk about, you know, the financing then of um, for developing countries, you know, trying to raise a hundred billion dollars to help those developing countries deal with the the worst effects of climate change. Um, and sadly, we didn't get the didn't quite get to the, the amount promised um, way back in in the Paris Agreement a couple of years ago. But I mean, yeah, from your perspective, you know, what are what are some of the issues that are currently happening? In Nigeria, around climate change, what, how is climate change already affecting um, some of the people in Nigeria that you that you know? Um, I would say um, close to forty to fifty percent of Nigerians are farmers. They're farmers, mm -hmm. and most of these farmers live in rural areas. They don't live in urban settlements. Now, what is happening is that they the inconsistent rainfalls is really really beginning to to affect the kind of um, agricultural products and yields they get um, I'll take myself for an example I also farm on a smaller scale yeah um, and this year um, normally we have rain starting from April you know um, it begins in April it gets intense in June mm -hmm. July August mm -hmm. um, of course by by September it rounds up. But this year, <laughs> we didn't have rain in April, we didn't have rain in May, mm -hmm. we didn't have rain in June. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, quite a number of people had already started planting. Sure. You know? And so, most of those, those seeds stayed in the ground and um, began to die off. Yeah. yeah. Automatically, what that means is that the money spent on preparing the land, the money spent on seedlings, the money spent on every other thing is gone to waste, mm -hmm. you know? And so rain, unfortunately, came mostly in August. Okay. And just within within four to five months, uh, four to five weeks, the rain was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. When, just when we're beginning to hope that we have um, our crops grow, you know, and then it's over. They were stranded again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so th that's just that's just one of many, many, many kind of um, impact. I mean, I'm not even talking about the extreme droughts in the northern part of Nigeria. I'm not talking about the extreme wetness and extreme rainfalls and floodings and the sea levels in the southwest and south south of Nigeria. It's it's incredible. It's it's terrible. Uh, I, I think uh, for me, I see that. Um, this, this is gradually increasing the poverty rate in Nigeria. Um, it's really, really increasing the poverty rate in Nigeria. And it's sad because already yeah. Nigeria is a very poor country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that premise. And I guess, Kuki, I think you've got similar sort of stories in terms of Ecuador and supporting farmers. But, yes. uh, yeah, what, what other effects have you guys been seeing in India? 
Yeah. Oh, definitely similar to what Promise has said. So I'm not going to say that story again. But before I came to COP, you know, uh, in my mind, I was, um, you know, the reason why have I, why am I going to COP? What is it going to achieve? Who is it for? Uh, who are we going to speak up for? And, uh, um, you know, I thought of a farmer family in, in Jharkhand, in East India, where we work. And he's a Malto tribal man with two children, you know, who farms uh, using a bullock cart you know, not even tractors or anything else, uh, who wakes up in the morning at 5.30, you know, they, they sow rice and beans, uh, very special bean in, in, in that particular area, and then, you know, goes to bed when the sun goes down because, uh, you know, they, they don't have much electricity where they are. And, uh, you know, a farmer like him with two children, when, when the rains fail or the rains come too early or too late, it destroys crops, it destroys livelihood, and any any um, options of even dreaming for a future and now that's not the only thing it has been compounded by the COVID pandemic so just imagine that scenario that you're already struggling because of climate change and then you you have the COVID pandemic and you may not be directly affected you know with with the virus but because of the lockdown you know your li livelihood has severely been severely impacted so that's the kind of stories that we have of, of, of just not being able to look towards the future for themselves or for their children. And that's a very, very common story as we've just heard from the Nigerian experience as well. Thanks for that, Kiki. Yeah, uh, that's a, a good segue into mentioning that COP were here delivering petitions to various different countries and we've asked them to deliver a, a clean and fair recovery from the pandemic. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's a nice nice sort of connecting of those two two big issues of the, the COVID pandemic and the and, and climate change. Um, yeah, I guess just as we wrap it up, what are what are what are the things you're looking for looking forward to even uh, in for the rest of the COP and week week two as we move in towards it? Yes, exactly what you said, David. I'm looking forward to handing more of these petitions in uh, that have been signed by perhaps many of the listeners who are listening on to this podcast. Uh, the petitions that you have been signed will not is not just a document that you have signed on to, but these are real things that are going to be handed in to, to, dele uh, to delegates. Uh, we're trying to find the Indian delegation this afternoon. Uh, and hand, hand over more of these uh, in, the, in, in the next couple of days. And I'm excited that we're doing that, that the voice of Renew Our World, the vo your voices are going to be added on to this and uh, we're going to hand them over to, to, to people and hopefully they will read and listen to what we have to say. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Cheers, Cookie. I promise, uh, yeah, what are you, yeah, what are you looking forward to for the yeah, rest of the just, conference? Just, just like Cookie has said, um, of course we have our petitions um, to hand over to the Nigerian delegates um, and we're looking forward to doing that um, sometimes tomorrow um, hopefully we'll be able to have access to them um, of course beyond that we're hoping that um, we'll be able to have unified actions um, as I mean as activists as groups um, within our different regions and countries and, um, and be able to have something more tangible to go back home with and also to do while we when we get back home. So for me, those are the things I'm looking out for, ne better networking, um, opportunities to speak out um, for the great people who are supporting us, who are um, who wish they were here, but could not make it here, you know? Yeah, so so that's what I'm looking out for. Super, super. 
Well, guys, that's, that brings us to the end of our podcast here from COP26. We hope you've enjoyed hearing a little bit about what's been happening over the last couple of days and what may happen in the next couple of days. And we'll be with you again with another podcast episode as COP ends. And we'll have a chat about what has been agreed and what has been decided here at COP. And we'll give you um, some updates on, let's call it the good, the bad and the ugly, uh, um, in terms of what may or may not come out of this conference. And uh, we look forward to, to chatting to you then soon. Cheers, guys. Till next time. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Renew Our World podcast. To learn more about the Renew Our World campaign or to hear about some of the work that our partners are doing, make sure you jump on over to our website at renewourworld.net. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a podcast episode again.